Welcome to our Changing the Narrative podcast, where we have thought-provoking conversations about housing, homelessness, and community with local and national experts. I am Anne Miske, President and CEO of Union Station Homeless Services. Today's episode is entitled, Is Being Homeless in Los Angeles Really That Different? I'll be talking today with two distinguished guests who have insights from working at both the national level and in local communities on finding solutions to homelessness and in making a difference in our communities. Joining me today is Jeff Olivet. He is the Executive Director of the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness, or USICH. He's the founder of JO Consulting, co-founder of Racial Equity Partners, and from 2010 to 2018, he served as CEO of C4 Innovations. Throughout his career, he has worked extensively in the areas of homelessness and housing, health and behavioral health, HIV, education, and organizational development. Wow. Welcome, Jeff, to the show today. It's great to be with you, Anne. Thank you. Anna Leva is the CEO of the National Alliance to End Homelessness. In her role, she works closely with members of Congress and the administration, as well as with officials and advocates at the state and local levels. Anne is recognized as one of the foremost experts on homelessness in the nation. And it is a real honor and privilege to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Anne, for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. So now let's dive in and talk a little bit about what's going on here in L.A., but also the national perspective from the two of you. You know, we hear all the time that California is the epicenter for homelessness, and the numbers sadly bear that out. California accounted for 30 percent of the country's homeless population in 2022, despite making up less than 12 percent of the total U.S. population. California is also home to 50% of the country's unsheltered people or those living in places such as streets, cars, or parks. So can either or both of you address the question, is homelessness different in LA than other places? There's certainly some differences in Los Angeles, but I think that the fundamental forces that are driving homelessness in Los Angeles are the same as they are in other places across the country. That is rents rising, insufficient affordable housing, not enough tenant protections for people who are in rental housing, structural racism that leaves people economically marginalized and sort of an insufficient safety net that leaves people with very few options when they do have a disruption in their life, like a job loss or an eviction or a health issue. So I think that while there are some unique challenges to Los Angeles and to California, what we know is that the underlying causes are, are very similar. Jeff, what do you think? Homelessness is devastating no matter where someone is in the country, whether somebody's in a large city on the West Coast like Los Angeles or in a rural community or a tribal community or a small town. Homelessness is devastating for people's health, for their well-being, for their connections to community. So in that very individual sense, Los Angeles is no different than anywhere else. In the bigger scheme of things, California's success and growth and economic engine and everything else also has a serious downside. And that's because we haven't invested enough in affordable housing that keeps up with the need that there's no place for people to go. And so we see this in cities across California where people are just simply pushed out of the housing market and there's not enough units to go around. There's certainly not enough affordable units to go around. And it just doesn't take much for people to slip over the edge into homelessness. 
Yeah, I think, you know, both of you make excellent points. The cost of housing here in California, because a lot of people love living in California, is extraordinarily high. I mean, in our local area here, a one-bedroom apartment goes for $3,200 a month on average. You have to make well over $100,000 a year to afford a one-bedroom home in much of Los Angeles County. And that is just not doable for people. And then we also have the issue of wages, which certainly have not kept up. You know, we hear a lot about the reason we have so much homelessness here in California is because all those quote unquote homeless people move here because of the nice weather. And we know, in fact, that is not the case. People fall into homelessness when they're already living here. I also have heard that particular story in just about every community that I go to. And the data never bears it out. The data always shows that it's people who are from the state and from the community in 80%, 90% of the time. LA is quite simply one of the toughest housing markets in the country. And you have a lot of people with very low incomes who are on the edge of having one thing happen and them losing their housing. I worked on the HUD-VASH program, and LA was the first place in the country that we started to see difficulty in finding units, even for veterans, even using a voucher. And so, like you mentioned, renters have to be earning something like three times the minimum wage in LA to afford a modest unit. Yeah. And I would add another piece to that is that bureaucracy exists everywhere. But I think getting housing built or created here in Southern California has all sorts of hoops that not necessarily other states and places do. I've talked to developers and people working in the affordable housing space, and it is really difficult to jump through all those hoops takes a long time. And then, of course, we have what we all know exists, and that is community pushback. Uh, you know, what we all often call nimbyism, not in my backyard. And that is something we contend with all the time. So can I ask both of you to talk about what are some good things that you're saying? What are some successful things that you're saying around ending homeless nationally or even here in Los Angeles? I think there's so much to be excited about. I mean, we're seeing people exit homelessness every day in, in very large numbers. And nationally, that averages out to something like 2,500 people a day exiting homelessness. In Los Angeles, the numbers I've seen are well over 200 people exiting homelessness every day. Now, the problem is that inflow is outpacing outflow in many places. So what that means is more people are becoming homeless than those who are exiting homelessness. There are so many good housing and service programs. There's a lot of work being done across the country to move the needle on racial equity, really trying to make sure that we're correcting for the historic wrongs that have been done against communities of color and make sure that there's equal access to housing and wraparound supports and that the homelessness systems are doing what they can to minimize the racially disproportionate impact of homelessness. We're seeing more and more programs that are led by people who have been homeless themselves. And I think that's an extraordinary transformation. I was at a community not too long ago where there's a group of people who have been homeless, living in an encampment for a long time, who have now been able to raise money and purchase land and build homes and build community. And there are just some extraordinary things happening at the very local level around the country problem is we haven't scaled up what's working and we haven't turned off the faucet that's creating homelessness in the first place. 
Yeah, exactly right. And how about you? Yeah, I agree with everything that Jeff just said. I would add that LA also has been on sort of the leading edge, especially around the passage of Proposition Triple H and Measure H in 2016 and 2017. I think that that was something I know that I held up for the rest of the country to take a look at, and it has allowed for the community to scale up its rehousing capacity quite a bit. Not to the scale that it needs to be, obviously, but that kind of investment and the community investment and buy-in to H and Triple H, I think were pretty extraordinary. And I'm hoping to see those measures. I know one of them is coming up for renewal next year, yeah? That's correct. And so I, I'm hoping to support LA in whatever it takes to get those renewed. And like I said, it was something that other parts of the country weren't even really putting on the ballot. The last thing that I would note, because I have done work in Los Angeles and I have specifically done work on governance in Los Angeles, is I'd, I'd like to see some more regional cooperation. It's something that has been both a challenge and a success for LA over many years. And it's a complex geography it has, I think, something like 88 cities and multiple continuums of care within one geographic area. And the more that elected leaders and appointed leaders can lean into that sort of regional cooperation, I think the better off the, the community will be at large. Yes. As someone who works with about 33 cities and a number of unincorporated areas, I absolutely uh, agree with that statement. Interestingly, what we are seeing, however, at the local level, and love to have both of you talk to this, is real pushback against housing first. And we are seeing a lot of, especially some of those smaller communities, turning back to a compliance treatment and criminalization model. And I'm wondering if this is something you're seeing as a trend nationally. And if you could talk about where does housing first sit versus this model and what success have you seen with either or not success? I think Ann and I were probably both in this field, probably all three of us, both Anne's and I were in this field uh, before we had housing first. And we made people jump through a lot of hoops. We put up a lot of barriers because we thought that's what needed to happen. And when housing first came along and really took off as a model in the late 90s and, and beyond, it was transformative for communities and it was transformative for individuals because what we learned was that if you can get people into the stable foundation of housing, all sorts of other good stuff can happen for them. They can get and keep jobs. They can attend to their health care needs. They can get clean from drugs and alcohol. They can get stable on mental health medications and, and treatment. All sorts of other good things can happen. If you take housing out of that equation, every one of those things becomes much more difficult. To do. And I would hate to see us go back to an era that we tried and that did not work very well, instead of saying, let's really diagnose this in a much sharper way. Now, the diagnosis is that Housing First is absolutely working. It achieves something like 85 to 90% housing stability for people who are in those programs. That means there are 10 or 15% of people who it's not working well for. We need to do more to innovate around what can work for those folks, but it also means we need to scale it up, not disinvest from the problem is we haven't scaled it up to meet the need. And so when the general public sees homelessness on a large scale and hears that we're doing housing first, they might lean towards saying, well, that must not work because we still see homelessness. It's the wrong diagnosis. It would be like saying that headaches exist because aspirin doesn't work. So there is really good evidence for what works. And my fear about the 
critiques of Housing First is that those critiques are not evidence-based. I think it's a real danger for us right now as a nation to step back from the policies that have been proven to work rather than say, let's build on those. Let's not throw the the, the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I agree with what Jeff just noted. And I think this pushback against Housing First is part of a broader polarization within our country. And it's definitely dangerous to us as a field. I also think that there's a lot of misinformation as part of that general polarization that's getting put out there, that Housing First is housing only. It is not. It has never been designed that way. It has always been designed as housing plus services. And I think that we have to help our elected leaders make decisions that are strategic and not just political. I don't know that we've solved that problem here at the Alliance. We're working on it. But I think that that's part of the solution is to make sure that there's good information out there about what Housing First is and isn't, that we're supporting our elected leaders in making strategic decisions rather than just political decisions, and that we are making sure that folks have choice in what works for them. And can I also add that I think either or thinking is really dangerous. And when we get in an argument about it's either housing or it's mental health treatment, it's either housing first or non-housing first with a lot of programmatic requirements. It's really, really dangerous thinking. I mean, I think we can be expansive enough to understand that, yes, we absolutely need more affordable housing stock. We need to build up the supply. We need to contain housing affordability. And of course, we need more mental health care. Of course, we need more access to drug and alcohol treatment on demand. It should not be as divisive as it is. I think what we can find ways to agree that housing and services are the fundamental solution to homelessness. And we need to make sure that we're scaling up those supportive services commensurate with a scale up of housing. And, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to note that the Housing First model was actually brought into the federal government under a Republican administration. And up until, let us say, the previous administration was always very much a bipartisan issue because people saw that it was effective, it worked. And guess what? It was way cheaper on taxpayer dollars than the other model. So it's only been recently. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of frustration in communities that see the numbers growing. To your earlier point, Jeff, about the inflow into homelessness and then say, well, then obviously housing first isn't working. Rather than to look at how many we have housed, which is over 80,000 people in three years in Los Angeles, which is an incredible record. And not only that, but to say, again, to your point earlier, Jeff, it's I always use the example of if you have diabetes and suddenly you don't have access to insulin and you start getting sick or dying, you don't start saying, well, insulin doesn't work. Housing first works, but it's also predicated on the fact that you have to have housing for people. So are there other trends that you're seeing, say, even in Los Angeles or nationally that are concerning to you? We've talked about some sort of the pushback on housing first. I'm just wondering if there are other areas that you're seeing that we need to address. I think that this polarization issue is one that we sort of covered, but the polarization is also leading to trends across the country towards criminalization of people who are experiencing homelessness. And that's pretty troubling to us, certainly at the Alliance. I know it is to USICH as well. And so making sure, again, that we have leaders who know how to make strategic and can make strategic decisions around criminalization, because that's another place where it costs a lot of money to implement criminalization that does no good really for anybody, has no positive impacts, and in fact hurts 
people experiencing homelessness, the providers who serve them, and has a high cost to the community. In terms of the numbers, all indications are that the point in time count for 2023 is going to have an increase across the board nationally. There are going to be some pockets of good news around the country, but I think nationally we're going to see probably an increase in families for the first time in a long time. That's of some concern, certainly to us. And I think in California specifically and in LA, we also have seen an increase in the number of Latinos who are experiencing homelessness. We need to pay attention to it closely so that we can develop some solutions that'll work. I'm really troubled by the dehumanization of people who are homeless, the kind of us and them uh, mindset that is, frankly, it's deadly. It's what results in Jordan Neely being choked to death on a New York City subway or Scott Bryan being beat to death in a small town in Montana. It's what leads to the business owner in San Francisco kind of nonchalantly spraying a homeless woman sitting on the sidewalk out in front of his business with a garden hose until she gets up and leaves and she's just screaming for help. We're treating each other as less than human. And that then results in bad policies. It results in kind of criminalization and desperate moves to just try to make the problem go away rather than seeing people as fellow human beings, as full and complete members of the human race and of society. And, you know, it really does come down to a moral choice of how we want to treat each other and what kind of a nation we want to live in. And it's deeply saddening to me when there's this mindset of those people, that, which is just never true. I mean, these are our friends and neighbors and brothers and sisters and sons and daughters, and people aren't generally homeless forever. It's a housing state. It's not a kind of a person, right? It's not a label you carry with you your whole life. It's a crisis that someone is in at the moment. And rather than wrap around them with love and support, we spray garden hoses at them and choke them on a subway. And that, to me, is a real damning indictment of where we are as a nation right now in terms of how we view one. And so I think there's got to be a fundamental shift in our humanity. I totally agree. You know, I often get asked in the work I do, what do I think it's going to take to solve homelessness? And my answer is when every person recognizes the humanity in everyone else, that's what it's going to take. Housing services, of course, are vital, but that is the key element. And sadly, we are. And I think, you know, this polarization we're seeing across the country and suddenly the blame or the focus on it's the individual fault. It's the individual choice that's causing homelessness rather than the policies rather than the fact that our rental units are being bought up by hedge funds and banks and it's all about profit and not about community. These are the things that you're right, they have to change. And I think this is where those of us working at the local community, the more we can connect people with the people that we're serving on a human level to show that these aren't those people. They are, in fact, your neighbors. And I always love it when I see someone come in and sit down and talk to someone who's experiencing homelessness. And afterward, they'll say, oh, they were just like me. I'm like, exactly. They're just like you. They just are in unfortunate circumstances. So let me ask another quick question here. If you had advice to give to Los Angeles and the work that we're doing, again, from your national experience, from your many years that both of you have worked in this field, and you mentioned earlier about working more regionally, but are there some other pieces of experienced advice you would give to LA County? Put you on the spot. 
Yeah, I mean, I I did mention earlier my desire to see the region come together, maybe to pursue some shared goals, to work together, to make sure that resources are being maximized and that everybody's sort of rowing in the same direction. Beyond that, I think I would have the same advice that I would have for other communities that are really struggling, especially with inflow, and that is try to innovate where you can. Use the resources that are available to you to try some new things and shift with the changing environment because our environment is changing. It's changing fast. Where we see some of the best work are places that are really leaning into having people with lived expertise in leadership positions who are bringing their knowledge and expertise to the to the table. And there's real partnership there where folks are trying new models of harm reduction that maybe haven't been done in their community or learning from other communities. So I think there's always something to be said about ensuring that you're doing the things that are known to work. But our environment is changing and places that are innovating can also do really well. That would be my advice. And just let me do a quick plug here. Both the National Alliance to End Homelessness and the U.S. Interagency Council have great websites that also talk about what's going on across the country and some of the innovative things that are happening and toolkits and all sorts of things to help local communities. So it's a wonderful resource, both of these agencies. Jeff, anything from you in terms of what would you say to people living here in L.A.? Come together. Don't point fingers. Los Angeles city and county is at a kind of extraordinary point right now. Mayor Bass is bringing new energy and focus to this issue. You've got some extraordinary county supervisors who are showing real leadership on this. I've seen alignment between city and county begin to emerge in a way that I had not seen previously. Lhasa has new leadership under Dr. Adams Kellum. So I think there's this sort of watershed moment, which is really, really exciting. And we're paying attention to that nationally. In fact, Los Angeles is one of five cities, along with the state of California, that are part of the All Inside Initiative, which is a new partnership that USICH has launched with the White House and a number of communities, including LA, to focus on unsheltered homelessness, street homelessness, and really try to drive those numbers down. So I think LA is at this extraordinary moment, and there's a great opportunity to come together and point the same direction. That's got to be done with urgency, knowing that this is a life and death issue. And it's got to be done with patience, knowing that it took us a long time to dig ourselves into this hole and it's going to take some time to dig us out. And what I would not want to see happen is that people start flailing around in desperation or start disinvesting in programs that are shown to work like Housing First or to step back from long-term investments in affordable housing supply. It's got to be all of the above. We've got to work with urgency on the crisis of unsheltered homelessness to keep people alive, move them into housing as quickly as possible. And we've got to continue to invest in the structural solutions that address the affordable housing crisis, that address the long-term legacy of structural racism. And it's going to take some time. So like hang together and hang together around a common goal and a shared set of values. When we start pointing fingers at each other, bad things happen. When we start coming together, good things happen. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's exactly, it is about community. It is about community coming together and deciding what kind of community do we want to be? One that embraces all of our neighbors and creates a better future for all of us or continues to exclude and cast out those people and let them suffer and not create the infrastructure that we need. So let me ask each of you if there are any words that you would like to say as we end today's amazing conversation. But Anne, let me ask you, any final thoughts? 
I want to echo one thing that Jeff just mentioned, and that is that we concentrated somewhat, especially at the beginning of this conversation, on some of the challenges that LA is experiencing. But I do agree that there's a moment right now and an opportunity for LA to make a big difference and be a leader for not just the region, but for the state and for the country. And I hope that certainly we at the Alliance will be as supportive as we can be of those kinds of endeavors and hope to see Los Angeles just do extraordinary things. Thank you. Anything else from you, Jess? It's just been an honor to sit with these two extraordinary AMs. As I said earlier, there is so much to be hopeful about. People will sometimes say, why haven't we ended homelessness yet? And what I have found myself saying lately is, in the 30 years I've been doing homelessness work, we've ended homelessness multiple times over. We help people exit homelessness every day. That's happening in Union Station. It's happening at Downtown Women's Center. It's happening in programs all across LA, across California, and across the nation. There's extraordinary work happening, life-changing, life-saving work that's happening. People every day are exiting the crisis and the tragedy of homelessness into the stability and connection and community that's involved with housing. We got to stay focused on what's working and do more of it. And we got to pair that with a prevention strategy that makes sure nobody ever has to experience the tragedy of homelessness. And I think once we can figure out that equation of scaling up the housing and services that are effective in solving homelessness, pairing that with an upstream prevention strategy that turns the faucets off, then I think we really start getting somewhere. And then I think it's it's possible at that point to imagine a nation without homelessness. Wow. Thank you both today. This has been an amazing conversation. And thank you so much for your experience, your wisdom, your compassion, but above all for leaving us with a sense of hope, because I think all of us feel some days that it is hopeless but you're right. We are housing people every day and people's lives are being changed. And uh, we just need to keep going again with urgency and with patience both. So thank you both for taking the time today. It has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you both. If you want to learn more about the realities of being unhoused and the work we do every day to help end homelessness, you can log into our website at unionstationhs.com. Dot org. Again, that is Union Station HS, as in Homeless Services, dot org. Together, we can be the solution we want to see in our communities. Thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to all our episodes and help us change the narrative about homelessness in our neighborhoods. This podcast is produced by Brenda Lynch and Katie Cookerly-Dietrich, edited by Jesse Lumen, with production assistance and music by Colin Feldman. Special thanks to our Union Station Homeless Services Lived Expertise Advisory Panel, or LEAP, for their insights.